First and uh, foremost, uh, I need to tell you that I am doing something this morning that I totally do not believe in. Okay, I, I'm just going to start there, and this is going against everything in me. To start speaking or preaching or listening on the radio to songs about Christmas before Thanksgiving may be a sin. It just, I, I do not listen to one radio station because, like for a whole month, even if my wife's in the car, and if I want her to know what I say this morning, there's multiple things here that I'm going to say about my wife just on the, on the top. I love her. Un, I, I do. I love her, but uh, her family, and if I want her to know that, I will tell her that again, okay? You don't have to, right? But she loves to listen to a radio station that uh, seems like in August they start playing all Christmas songs. And I, I just won't listen to that. But that being said, I am going to start a series of messages about Christmas. And I'm excited about it. Um, I am grateful and thankful for Christmas, and I want us as a church to be the same. And so for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, I am going to have for you a series guide, sermon series guide, of gifts that you might want to buy for Christmas. This morning we're going to talk about moms, and so uh, this is a mom's gift but I will kind of break the suspense just a little bit as well and say that it's not just for moms, it's for all of us. You'll see that as we get there. About the aforementioned sweetheart, my wife, you know, at Christmas, here is how it goes at the Tillman household. And it's even, I, I can't wait. I was at my mom and dad's house last night and I looked down into their sunroom and I could just imagine what's going to take place in a little over 30 days. 30 days, there, that room is going to be filled and there is going to be a Charlie Brown Christmas tree there. And that, that's one of our traditions. It's always terrible. And that's okay. But around that tree, there's going to be all kinds of gifts, and then all the people there, and there's going to be like three Santas that are just giving out all the gifts, and so everybody has their pile of gifts. If it's two, if it's three, if it's 12, if you're a great-grandkid or a grandkid, that's how many you get, or if, if it's one envelope, that's mine. But it's usually I owe you something, but uh, that, that's all right. And all at once, the 25 people that are there just start opening. And it's over in like two minutes. It's Tasmanian devil. Everything is fair game. If it's your gift, you open it. Now, let me step out of that family tradition and let's step into Paige Harrington's family's tradition. There's still about the same number of people. There is one Santa. Everybody has at least three gifts, so it takes three times as long for those gifts to be set in front of you. And then, everybody's eye is on the youngest. And then it's the next youngest turn. And then it's the next. And we go, and it takes forever. 
It's New Year's before it's time for somebody else to open. And they just think that's great. And they just think that's great. And I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to happen. You're supposed to open it all at one time, and then you spend the next 45 minutes not opening gifts, but looking for that small little piece in the five bags of trash and you've got to have that little piece for that game to work. And everybody is going crazy. And it's always right under the chair where the kid opened the gift. But you looked there 12 times. You didn't see it. So, a series guide for gifts. This morning I want us to look at Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 26 down through 56. And we're going, to see, we're going to see a young girl, a young lady by the name of Mary. And I want us to see two keys this morning of buying gifts for mom. Two keys. So as I read and as we uh, focus our attention on God's word. Before I read, let, let me pray. We need more prayer. I, just let me pray. Father, I come this morning. God, you know my heart. You know the desire that I have to, to just tell this story to your people this morning. To tell it in such a way that it wouldn't wouldn't be, yeah, I've heard that before. But Father, you would draw us in with the event of the coming of your Son. That Father, today and, and for the next few weeks as we are focusing on the birth of our King. Father, it would go past the hour that we meet in this place every week. Father, it would go past the family traditions that we all have, good and bad. And Father, it would penetrate our hearts, it would penetrate our lives, because that is why you sent him. You sent him to change me. You sent him to change us. And Father... You have written that in your word and it has been recorded and it has stayed for these centuries. And it will remain for you are faithful. So as we do have fun thinking about the gifts that we will give and the gifts that we will receive. Father, as we listen to songs that we've heard 5,000 times. Father, I pray that starting at this moment that my mind would be focused not just on a baby that was born in Bethlehem, but on the life that he lived, on the death that he died for me, that three days later you raised him from the dead and that he lives eternally in the heavens and he is longing for you to look at him and say son go get my children go get your bride so that one day we will see him not just by the eyes of 
faith, but Father, we will see Him in all of His splendor, in all of His glory. God, give us that glimpse this morning of the events of the announcement of His birth and all the emotions, the high and the the low of what was going on in Mary. Father, may I internalize it. May I understand it. May we internalize it and understand it. Father, might this word change us this morning in the greatest gift that you gave us. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. One more word of introduction. If my voice sounds terrible, you should have heard me Wednesday. Be thankful that you did not. And so, uh, bear with me, and we will get through this, and then we will eat fried turkey. In the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be? Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard The greeting of Mary, the baby, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came from 
came to my ears, the baby in my womb, he leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And for behold, from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to the offspring, to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned home. Heavenly Father, as we look at this this morning, as we see these two keys, Lord, would you speak? Would you speak? boldly, mightily into our hearts with clarity. And Father, would we, would we put that into practice? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The first key. The first key. If you're going to buy a gift for, for mom this Christmas, if you're picking this gift out, you first need to know her. You, you do. You need to know mom. And in this passage, this mom-to-be is described a number of different ways. And we're not going to take the time to look at all of them. I'm not going to draw out all of them this morning. But I do want to draw out two or three, possibly even four this morning. Four characteristics, four attributes, four uh, aspects of Mary's personality so that you and I will... Get to know her. The first is found in two different verses. It's found in verse number 27. And then she responds to that later down in verse number 34. And she says, how in the world is this going to happen? I am a virgin. It, Mary was a virgin. Uh, up to this point in her life, she had zero sexual encounters with anybody. And in that day and also in our day, it is a great thing because that is what God desires until a person is inside a marriage relationship. This is something that's spoken of twice, as I stated. And if you were to turn over to uh, Matthew's account, next week we're going to 
look more in depth at what Joseph has to say, but here's what Matthew records from Joseph's side. It states this, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. That's what this is stating. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he had resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, by Isaiah, some 700 years before. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name God with us. Emmanuel. That term today in our culture oftentimes is looked upon or frowned upon. Even this week, I saw one of the celebrities uh, has come out. He and even one of his brothers have come out and said, you know what, we made this pledge for purity until marriage, but we broke it. I broke it. And I'm okay with that because it was the, quote, right person. In God's eyes, the only right person is the one that you stand in front of Him and witnesses and say, I do. From now until death do us part. Boys, girls, I know the pressures that are on you from your peers, I know the pressures that will be on you even as you grow older, but may I urge, may I plead, don't give away that gift. It is so precious. And it's not just for the young boys and girls. I know that we say that, but it's not just for the young boys and girls. It's for every man and woman in this place. It's kind of maybe an overused illustration, but I believe it's an illustration that hits on every point. That union is like fire. In a fireplace, it is great to back up to and to warm, to draw people around and even entertain, maybe even to cook. But outside the fireplace, that fire will roar. It will burn down the room that it's in. It will kill and destroy. And those thoughts that you are having, ma'am, or those looks that you are having, sir, are detrimental. 
The enemy wants your home. He will attack and he will keep attacking, whether it's through adultery, whether it's through pornography, whether it's through the sleaze that is on television. He has conditioned this culture to feast on sex and the hook is in place for you. It is. Every commercial, every TV station, every show, it is in place for me, and it is in place for you. Remember the words of Paul. He told the folks at Corinth that he was beating his body into submission so that he would not be defiled and that he would not quit the race. And then he told the folks in Ephesus, he says, hey, re- Remember this, every single day, remember to put on the whole armor of God because there is an enemy, he has fiery darts, and he is pointing them all at you and at me. You and I have to know who mom is. I know a man, I I am related to him rather closely, he is uh, 20 years older than me. He's called my dad. Okay? And there was one year that my dad just decided, you know what, here's what I'm going to give your mom for Christmas. I'm going to give her, it is, it's got a gold trigger. It's got a gold bead on the end of the barrel. It is a 20-gauge pump browning. It's something that she would love. As soon as she opened the box, she pointed it at him. I I thought it it was over. My dad was dead. Guess what my mom got next Christmas? Diamond bracelet, diamond earrings, and a diamond necklace. Yeah. Why? Because my dad didn't buy the 20-gauge shotgun for my mom. He, He bought it for him. He bought it for me and gave it to her. You must know the person that you're giving the gift to. She was a virgin. She's also uh, called favored one. If you look in verse 28 and you look in verse 30, you will see that word, favored one. I put more study into uh, these words than most Sunday morning Sermons, just trying to understand for no other reason than this. I do not want to show you this morning, I don't want to bring up to you the Protestant Mary. That that is not the goal this morning for you to understand Protestant or Baptist Mary. It is also not the point to bring up Catholic Mary. Mary, for you to understand Catholic Mary, because we Protestants oftentimes overlook Mary. We, we, we're scared to death to mention her because of another denomination who might elevate her. And I, I don't want to elevate her. I don't want to demean or belittle her. I want you and I want myself to see who she is. What the Bible has recorded for us about her. And the Bible has stated multiple times from the voice of the angel and from the voice of a witness, Elizabeth, that she is 
favored. What does it mean? Well, favored, the root word is grace. That's the root word in Greek. It is grace. It is something that was bestowed on her that she didn't deserve. There wasn't anything that she did or could do to obtain it. God gave it to her. So there is some reason why God chose that girl, that young lady, that Mary. And I think as we see different characteristics of who she is, you and I will understand that. Some of the reasons why he might have chosen her. But it is that he showed favor on her. It's nothing, nothing drew her by her works, her words, her thoughts to him. It was all that he did for her, similar to what we have seen with Israel all throughout the Old Testament. You are little, you are nothing, but I showed favor to you. He showed grace toward her. Third characteristic of who she was was not just that she was a virgin or that she was favored, but that she stated herself, I am doulos. I am a servant, a bond servant. The, the term For servant here is one who has freely given up all their rights, freely given up everything that is due them and said, that person over there who is my Lord or my master, they can take care of me and everything in me better than I can myself. So therefore, I'm going to be his or theirs forever. I don't want my freedom. I want to be his And at a more than likely young teenage age in years, she said, that's what I want. A fourth characteristic is that she was blessed. I need to read this to you. It is uh, by a pastor in New York. A couple of paragraphs, but I think that you and I need it. man's name is uh, Tim Keller. He states this. Here's what Elizabeth is saying. In the verses of... Let me read the verse to you first. If you look there and... Verse 45, as she is closing out what she is saying to Mary, she says, And blessed is this woman. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She is blessed. And here's what Keller states about Elizabeth saying that. Mary, do you believe everything that God just said? As mind-boggling as it is, as category-bursting as it is, is really going to happen. Do you believe that? Not just a symbol, not just a metaphor. It's really going to happen. If you believe it, if you take it in, you will be blessed. 
Now, the trouble with us today is that the English word blessed, it's, as Keller states, it's just limp. Blessed just means inspired. But you have to understand, in both the Hebrew Scriptures and the Greek Scriptures, the word blessed meant something much deeper than that. When the Lord lifts up the countenance, the light of His face upon you, it blesses you. It brings you to full shalom, which is peace. It brings you back to full human functioning. To be blessed means to be everything God made you to be. It means to be strengthened and be repaired in every one of your human capacities, whether it's psychological or social or cultural. It means to be utterly transformed. When What she is saying to Mary and what Luke is saying to us is, do you believe this beautiful idea was really going to be accomplished? That it really happened? And if you believe that, then you are blessed. A fifth and final quality, trying to get to know her, was that Mary was a woman of faith. I want to read this song to you again. It has been called... Mary's song or the Magnificat. But as I read it to you, I want you to think of these words. And I want you to see these words of how she describes herself, but even more than that, how she describes her Lord. Listen to these words once again. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is... And His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. There was a couple of times that she pointed to herself, but in that there was an overflow of her pointing to the father. Her focus was on Him. She knew where she was. She knew that she deserved a separation for all eternity and that there must be, if salvation was to occur in her, it must be through Him and not through anything that she could do. She was a woman of faith. Some 10 to 15 different quotes, different 
usages of Old Testament Scripture are in these verses. And that is something. It would be something for a male of that day to do that, let alone a female. She knew her Scripture and she knew her Lord. And she had faith in Him that whatever He stated He promised to do, He was going to do. So what does this mean for us? Well, the first key is for you and for me to know who we're buying these gifts for. You and I need to see Mary as she was. You and I need to place her, because I believe the author of Hebrews, if he would have taken the time to extend the list, she's one of those in the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. What else can we or should we do as we understand Scripture there is these aspects of a personality, of characteristics, of attributes that you and I must have in our lives. Put those similar qualities in your life that we learn from her. She's not perfect. She need not be elevated, but we need to recognize that God used her, and folks, that is special. Second key is not just knowing who she is, but you've got to know what she needs. Mary knew exactly what she needed. What did she need? You look in verse 47, you look in verse 48, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant For behold, from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. Mary worshipped the one that she should worship. She sought salvation and looked to the only one who could bring it. There are some needs that you have. There's some physical needs that you have. There's some emotional needs that you have. sat in the office this week as a uh, man was, he was just in tears. He was falling apart. And I had to ask him, and I ask you the same, whose trust are you going to put your life in? You have a need. Sir, you you have a need. Ma'am, you have a need. It is a great need. And there is only one who will answer, can answer all of those needs. His name is Jesus. But He didn't create you. Nor did He create Mary or anybody else as a robot. He said, if you want the things of this world... Go have them. 
60, 70, 80 years. Have at it. But it will never give you what it promises. Every single one you will find lacking. As the wisest man wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that I've chased after in this world, whether it was a job, whether it was more projects, whether it was more pleasure, jokes, entertainment, whether it was women, whether it was wine, whatever it was, life, it is all fleeting and it does not have any substance. So what are we to do with this song? What are we to do with these words that Mary boldly proclaims? I believe you and I need to internalize it and we need to understand it. We need to digest it. We need to see the emotion. See the weight It is reflective of what God has done for His people, Israel. Yet, it was a personal pledge to faith. Here you and I have a look into faith. We have a look into the faith of a Jewish girl who's looking forward to Messiah coming. The question, have you done the same? You and I, as I close, need to be reminded of just a couple of things. What or who are you trusting in? You relying on your wit to get you by? Are you trusting in the leaders of this nation to get you a leg up? Or are you looking to your family? You're looking at job security to bring your existence into meaning? Every one of us are trusting in something or someone. You are. I am. Faith is not a one-time occurrence. You don't make a faith decision one day as an eight or nine-year-old and can go and do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life and expect that that decision quote-unquote. Faith is a life. It's a life that you and I must live out daily, trusting that Jesus has the very best for you, the very best today, the very best tomorrow, the very best forever. And Mary came to understand at a young age, and I believe... Scripture records the rest of her life. She knew Him not just as Savior. She knew Him as Lord. She bowed the knee and said, Be it unto me, whatever the Lord desires, I'll do. And she brought a baby into the world, conceived of the Holy Spirit. that mean that she was perfect? No, because if you read Scripture, there's accounts throughout the Gospels of where they wanted to go get Jesus. 
thought he was crazy and bring him home because he was bringing shame on the family. But at the cross, she's there. And she saw her Savior, not just her son, she saw her Savior. She saw her Lord die. decision needs to be made not just for today. A decision needs to be made not just for this season. A decision needs to be made for your life. You need to be lived out on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. Father, we come. Father, I pray that the God, the aspects of uh, these messages, not just trying to put a, a funny instance on gifts for different people in different situations, but Father, bringing your word, your truth into light for our lives today. Father, we need you. We need you to speak. Father, this is your place. This is your house that we have come to worship you. Father, I have prayed internally. I now voice those same words. God, may you be free to move in this place, in our hearts. May your spirit rule and reign over this place. Draw us, your people, back to you. God, we, I, desperately need you to do that. Would you take this time, Father, and would you speak into our hearts in such a way, God, that we would leave changed. We would leave with with a bold faith and assurance as that of Mary displayed for everyone that she came in contact with. She wasn't scared to speak of you. Father, may we not be scared to speak of you. She wasn't scared to speak of you with family. She wasn't scared to speak of you. But Father, more than that, she wasn't scared to obey even when she didn't have a clue what was going on. It was so illogical. Father, would I do the same? Father, would this church body do the same? And would we as individuals, wherever you take us this week, Until you draw us back together again, would you use us and would we be obedient vessels?